slash and cast. Welcome back, fiends, to Handle Whiskey, presented by the Slash and Cast Podcast Network. Our show discusses horror movies and the phobias they emphasize. Tonight, we are wrapping up our Yuletide fear for the holidays as we get ready to take a look back at some of the best of 2023. Before I introduce tonight's film and my co-host, I have just a few general reminders for you. Of course, you can stay connected with us over on X at Handle with Scare. And be sure to join us for our Twisted Tuesday watch parties, which are held every Tuesday night at 7.30 p.m. Pacific Time. And that's over at kick.com forward slash Tumbly Drunk. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Grindhouse Zombie, and tonight, uh, Zombie, we are really just flipping the legend of Santa Claus on its head with the Finnish flick, Rare Exports, A Christmas Tale, uh, which came out in 2010, and uh, as, you know, we, we hinted at last week, uh, this has definitely been one that has been uh, on my radar ever since it hit the festival scene uh, and it's been a traditional watch for me every single year. But it was the first I watched for you uh, here last night on Twisted Tuesday. So I, I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on this movie just because this is definitely one that strays away from a lot of the Christmas horror norms <laughs> for lack of a better phrasing uh and there's there's some interesting uh twists and turns in this movie uh which i i'll, I'll get into this because like i do have one major gripe with the movie uh but that comes later on in the movie uh which we'll we'll, we'll get into but i, I want to get your your general thoughts on it before like we kind of like really deep dive into this Sure. So uh, for me, this was a dartboard pick. Um, we were, you know, trying to figure out what to do for the month. And we're like, well, let's go. Let's go hard into Christmas. And this ended up being a total dartboard pick. Had never seen it. Um, did a little bit of Googling, a little bit of research. And that one kept coming up. And I'm like, well, you know what? This has been on enough lists and I haven't seen it. So let's give it a whirl. Um, and... My gripe with the movie might not be the same as your gripe with the movie. Um, my main gripe is I've never been so annoyed at a kid calling for his dad. Um, it, <laughs> um, but other than that, um, and I honestly figured, uh, you know, some of our Discord members would probably like the fact that there was a lot of old man penis in this movie. Um, I, but other than that... Yeah, I mean, I was super surprised by this. Um, surprised by the story. Surprised where they went with it. Because, <laughs> to be perfectly honest, it gets kind of... It gets dark, but in the lightest, funnest way. Which is a really hard thing to pull off, and they totally did it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I was, I, was, I was amazed how fun this was. Um, I was amazed that our kind of main hero was like a nine-year-old kid. Um, <clears throat> not something I really expect from a movie like this. Um, but I think to your point, the lore in this movie is what is so fucking stupendous. I mean, they put a lot into, into propping up the lore on this and to making it really the main point. And, you know, for our main hero and how he spent so much of the movie sort of worried about wanting to be punished for his misdeeds. I mean, it was, it was nothing short of just clever and creative. Mm -hmm. Like you have this little kid who doesn't know, really doesn't know shit from Shinola, but at the same time, the old man hands him a loaded shotgun and is like, this is yours now. I mean, so I mean, there's so many things that happen in this movie where 
they sort of make you scratch your head a little bit, but then at the same time, you're like, yeah, different place, different time, different culture. Um, it, it made it really fun to kind of dive into it and see what we call Santa Claus from a different view through the prism. It was fun. Yeah, so the synopsis for this one is a young boy named uh, Pietari, or Peter, in in English, uh, and his friend Juso uh, think a secret mountain drilling project near their home in northern Finland has uncovered the tomb of Santa Claus. However, this is uh, really a monstrous evil Santa, much unlike the cheery Saint Nick of legend. Uh, when Peter's father captures a feral old man in his wolf trap, the man may hold the key to why reindeer are being slaughtered and children are disappearing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, <laughs> you know, just read, reading that, you're probably like, "What the fuck are you talking about? How how did we get here?" Uh, so it's important to note, rare exports really takes roots of Father Christmas from you know Finnish lore, and it really clashes it up against you know the more modern day uh, Coca Cola version of Santa Claus, which is something that you know Peter's father does bring up uh, when he's you know nose deep in all the all the Santa lore, uh, and you know we follow Peter uh, as well as his friend uh, Rano, as well as like some of the other. Uh, reindeer herders as they are trying to like figure out like what's been going on with like with the herd because they basically stumbled across uh you know their entire herd being slaughtered isn't rano his dad yeah yeah and his buddy's name is juso or juzo juzo because you just called you just called rano his buddy now you're just confusing the shit. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Rano's Rano's the dad and Juso is uh is the older friend. The older, oh, the older friend of the dad. Then, is that? Oh boy. Okay, shit. My my notes are sounds like my notes are might be almost as bad as yours. No, um, no. Okay. Juso is like the older boy. Yes. Yeah, so it's it's him and his it's it's the kid that's a little bit older that's yes. like poke, poking fun. Okay. All right. Glad we got that straight. Yeah. Yeah. You know, all these Finnish names are just going to be confusing us. Uh, uh, to yes. to each their end. Uh, but yeah, so basically, uh, in this, you know, they, they find out all of their herd is dead, and they are trying to seek, uh, reparations from, like, the nearby excavation, uh, but, you know, of course, things aren't quite what they appear to be. Uh, now, the tagline for Rare Exports is, from the land of the original Father Christmas, which, of course, is a nod to the Finnish legend. I'm not even gonna attempt to say the Finnish name for Santa, because it's fucking long and to butcher it uh but it basically translates to the yield goat uh which is a hideous horned creature that used to demand presents and frighten children at christmas time and in the legend he was reported to live in the mountains in the northern regions of uh the finnish lapland and of course it is at this very mountain that our story begins. So I, I love from the from the get go. You know, you, you already have the roots, uh, or at least like the Finnish roots of Santa being brought to the forefront. So I, I'm so glad this movie takes its time in really constructing the lore and looking back on it, because you know we do have our depictions of uh, you know as uh, Peter's father notes, like you know we see the Santa basically. Uh, kidnapping the children and like basically cooking them alive in like the cauldrons <laughs> which are you know set on fire of course uh as as you would come to expect because how else are you gonna cook the children uh but you know it there's definitely that clash because you know we we all have like the the american version of santa and then of course you know we have all these other depictions you know you have father christmas which we've seen in uh you know other movies like I'll use a genre example, like Don't Open Till Christmas revolved uh, a lot around Father Christmas and, you know, dressing up or dressing down, uh, for that matter, in uh, Father Christmas suits <laughs> uh, for, uh, among other things. Uh, but this one doesn't quite have the array of kills in it, but it's really not that uh, kind of movie. But I love so much of this story just takes place from, you know, December 1st, and then we just jump straight 
until Christmas Eve, and then, you know, it's just a matter of keeping Santa at bay and not wanting to open, uh, basically, that final door of the Advent calendar. Yeah, so... <laughs> Even from the start of this movie, going through the like, even the title card, the title card of this movie is doing something to help you with the lore, which um, normally I'm kind of like, don't force feed me these things. But the way this the way this movie started, it was kind of perfect. Um, and I think the word that you're trying to pronounce is julepuki. Does that sound right? The uh, the, the Christmas goat or the Yule goat in mm -hmm. Finnish. Um, and. For, and I'm jumping ahead, but I think it I think it bears talking about the the quote unquote reveal of Santa in this is nothing short of astounding <laughs> when you when you first see it. Um, and and what's happening around the reveal of Santa is just I, I mean, it was one of those things where it's like it, it's really rare that I watch a movie and I just go, holy shit. <laughs> and this was one of those moments where it was like, holy shit, that is. And so, I mean, for the lore, and if you don't, if you don't know anything about it and going into this movie, I didn't know anything about it, you know? So, and it was, it wasn't until my second watch today and then digging a little bit more into it, that a lot of it started to make some more sense, but it's, it's honestly so surprising. And with our, our little main hero, Peter, and how he, how he goes through this movie and how he is constantly he's constantly worried about the lore he's constantly worried about the village he's constantly worried about like his own quote unquote punishment for you know having spied on what that uh the drilling company was doing um and from his interpretation of the of the mythos that is Santa Claus and all the Santa Claus's helpers it's like he honestly fears always being watched. Like he's genuinely afraid of it. And that is kind of, I honestly, for me, one of the cooler parts of this movie, like, you know, and it's that, it's that kind of, you break it down to the basic like human level of, you know, be careful what you do because you never know who's actually watching. Um, and I think in this day and age with all the, all the people in the world and all their cell phones and how, you know, there's a car crash and 17 people are dead. And the first thing that, a person does is pull out their cell phone and record. They don't go and help. I, I think it's it 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 really talks a lot about how our current culture is. For me, anyway, it talks a lot about it. Um, but I just I love this kid, and I just love his attitude through the whole movie. Like he he is he lives sort of in fear. He wants to do right, um, but he's also if you break it right down, he's one hell of a problem solver. And I just love that about his character. Yeah, so we we really start uh, on December first. So you know we're twenty four days before Christmas, uh, and this is when we meet two of the American researchers. Uh, you got Riley as well as uh, Mister Green. Uh, Mister Green is the one who is running the drilling operation atop the mountain, uh, looking to provide some core samples for Riley. Uh, basically, you know, really early on, they are encouraged by some of their findings. They basically see uh, sawdust and wood shavings deep under the earth, basically noting that you know, it's a great way to pack something preserved in ice. Uh, so Riley announces that they are on the verge of unearthing what they believe is the largest burial mound in history, one that would rival the ancient pyramids. And I know I know going in, obviously, when we get to see uh, the excavation site and just how massive the crater is and just seeing like what is actually inside. Of course, a lot of people, when they watch this movie for the first time or for the update time, obviously, you have vibes of the thing. Like, there's no way to shake it. But, you know, that's one of the first things that I was like, oh. Okay, I know where this is going, but then when the when the turns later come, it's like, oh no, like we're completely fucking blindsided by what the fuck is gonna happen uh, in this. But I, but I love the fact that you know Peter at his age, very curious about everything that's going on around him. Uh, you know, we see him and Juso uh, basically eavesdropping from behind crates of explosives. You know, great hiding spot, especially if you're toting, you know, shotguns and, you know, rifles as, uh, you know, 9 to 12-year-olds, you know, 
always good to have guns around <laughs> explosives in this case. Uh, but this is really what leads Peter to believe that these researchers are trying to unearth Santa Claus. Uh, and of course, neither his friend Juso or his father believe him. Uh, and, you know, this is when, you know, his father is, like, pointing to all the books depicting that Father Christmas was boiling children inside the pots, basically cooking them alive and torturing them. All that, all of that fun stuff that, uh, you know, you would expect to see, like, in the, like, grim fairy tales. You know, there's there's a lot of, like, dark depictions when it comes to, like, old fairy tales. That's really nothing new, and it's universal. It's not just, like, exclusive to one, uh, you know, part of the world in this case. Um, but but I love the fact that like really early on, you know, our, our first signs of something has gone wrong is just the slaughtering of the reindeer. So the entire herd, all the hundred and ninety eight heads of the reindeer, uh, just gone. You know, meat is absolutely ruined. There's really nothing left, and you know we're we're looking at like a loss of eighty five thousand dollars. Uh, but, you know, this is when we, we hit, like, our first, one of our first tropes when it comes to films. And that is, at the first sign of struggle, what are we going to do? We're going to blame the Russians. <laughs> and I laughed so fucking hard the first time I saw this movie. And I'm just like, makes sense to me. Like, what other possible explanation can there possibly be? Yeah, so we're going to blame the Russians, you know. Uh, there's... Russian wolves coming through the gate, you know, completely slaughtering all of our reindeer. And now we're looking at $85,000 in the red and we need to find, you know, a cash grab because uh, we have no way to make back this money for our very small community in the mountains. That for me is one of the cooler parts of this movie where everybody, I mean, pretty much everybody seems to be in an overall way concerned about the community and the fate of the community. Like I dig that, like just as a person, I dig that. Um, going back to our American researchers and then the, the, the mountain that they're on top of. And it's, what is it? Uh, Corvat Nuri, Corvat Naturi, that the, the ear fell mountain. And the one research you being named Dr. Green, did you, did you not at all get a little bit of Grinch out of that? Mm-hmm. Like he's literally the Grinch. I mean, and I thought it was subtle, but if you if you pay attention, it was there. So I mean, I I again thought that was really kind of entertaining. The slaughter of the reindeer, um, except for the two skinny runts. Don't forget the two skinny runts. Um, I haven't walked into a into a horror movie, um, and just been like, oh, <laughs> like. <laughs> In a long time, and to see like hundreds of dead reindeer was really sad. I mean, it was just like, and then uh, to your point, when they blame the Russians, and it's like, oh my god, the Russians hate Christmas. It's like, what the? <laughs> I, I like, I mean, like, hey, I know Putin's an asshole, but I mean, I don't think even Putin hates Christmas. What the fuck? Um, but even as they get more into that, and the kids find the, you know, the. We'll call it the dig site. And then as the the parents are literally seeking like reparations, they want reparations from this company because they're blaming it on them. Uh, it's there's a lot of things here that feel uniquely small town, which is honestly fantastic. Um, and I still love how even when they bring what I'm supposing is the sheriff or the constable or whatever a little bit later, um, it just Everybody, everybody really understands that it's like we have to do whatever it takes to save our town, you know, and almost it almost becomes less about getting through Christmas than it does like getting through the winter, Mm -hmm. which I mean is is not unique. We know that. But I think the way this movie frames it up, it's it it makes it it makes it more plausible and it, it, it does give that little bit of tension because as these guys are doing things and things get a little bleaker and a little bleaker and a little bleaker. Um, I mean, admittedly, I was never really worried about this kid. I sort of figured this kid probably would have killed all the adults and eaten them for their meat if he had to, because he was pretty fucking resourceful. Um, but it does put sort of the, the whole sort of town into peril. And it, it makes for a, 
it makes for a good backdrop for what the overall the overarching story is. Yeah, and Peter uh, is really the only one who notices uh, a clue when it comes to the slaughtering of the reindeer, because he's, like, poking around at the bodies, uh, you know, with the stick, because, you know, he doesn't want to, you know, touch the dead reindeer. Uh, This is when he discovers that there are human footprints in the snow near the bloody bodies of the reindeer. Uh, And this is really what kind of, like, sets him in motion to really try his best to keep himself safe. Uh... And part of that was, uh, you know, also protecting his family, uh, primarily, you know, his dad, because he is a single dad. Uh, and one of the things he does is he puts a bear trap inside of the fireplace. Uh, so, you know, we are going to capture Santa Claus when he tries to come down the chimney. He's going to get trapped. And, uh, you know, Peter is going to save his ass and save the day. Uh doesn't really work out that way uh he you know his dad nearly gets injured uh you know poking at it then he just pulls it out of the fireplace he's like it's like what the hell is this doing in here you know it's like well in the lore like we've always heard like you know make sure you know you keep the fire lit you know that's you know the krampus rule Oh, but that's, yeah, that, that's not the only traps, though, that, that come into play. But at least in, in this case, like, it was sound reasoning, and it was it was a legal thing to do, unlike one of the other things that really sets everything into motion in regards to the capturing of Santa. Well, yeah, I mean, so as they, as they go off and they're seeking their reparations and they go to find these people and be like, hey, we're blaming this on you. That is when we get our the thing moment. Um, and I think we all pretty much said it in the Discord last night. Like, are we watching the thing all of a sudden? And it was... and But you know what? There's a piece of it in my head that's... Like, I, I understand what they're ripping off, and I understand why they're ripping it off, but it's a totally different thing. Right. So, in my head it's actually kind of okay. I think I was, I think I was, you know, pretty, pretty fine with it. Um, and then bleeding into the next day, um, when they have set up all these traps and they set up this big wolf trap, um, by, uh, uh, Pateri or Peter's father. Um, and they think at least, you know, momentarily that they've killed this skinny old man. Um, and this is the place in the movie where, to be honest, I thought it was going one direction. Like, I really thought it was. And then as time wore on, I'm like, wait a minute. You're, you're, I think I'm starting to see what you're doing here. Um, and not only was it darker than I thought it would get, and especially with the father and his friends and, you know, the one guy sharpening his knives, like, we're going to carve this guy up. Um, it it was dark, but oddly understandable, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Like, well, okay, we're here, so might as well take care of business. Um, but then, you know, finding out that the, uh, the skinny, naked old man is, um, well, let's be honest not dead um you know and when you hold a 12 inch long blade over his nose and it breathes on it he was like oh you know he's a tough old codger and it's like okay i and and that for me was kind of the point where it's like i honestly thought i knew what was going to happen and then i didn't and then it just it honestly got me more interested like okay i need to stop because I, like I said, I watched again today, and I'm like, okay, I need to stop my goofing around, and I need to just focus for a minute, you know. And once you focus on this movie, oh boy, does it deliver! Yeah. So the wolf traps that they use in this are illegal ones. Uh, so of course, you know, they're they're trying to capture the Russian wolves. That doesn't happen, and they end up pulling the naked old man out of the pit. Uh, and of course, like the, the thought process is, well, we can't get caught with this pit or this dead body. So what are we going to do with the body? Okay. Let's, let's dispose of it. You know, we're just going to butcher his body, get rid of it. 
Uh, but of course, you know, the only problem with that being that the fact that the old man is still alive. Uh, and, you know, after some prodding from Peter, as well as like this radio call that they get from the research uh, facility, specifically from Riley, uh, you know, this crew basically learned that they have captured Santa Claus. Now, granted, that's what they're led to believe. Because <laughs> uh, that that is just... Uh, one of the twists that, uh, you know, we end up having in this movie. So upon hearing this, you know, they end up dressing the man up in, you know, the Santa Claus suit. They put him in a cage and they load him into the pickup truck in hopes of selling Santa uh, basically back to make up for the loss of the herd. And to me, I, I one of the most interesting aspects of this is, you know, they easily... This, this town easily could have been greedy and been like, no, we want more money. No, they were just looking for the exact amount to recoup their losses. Nothing extra. You know, they just want to make it through the winter, as you were saying. Uh, you know, they're not looking for that cash grab, at least in this moment. Uh, since, you know, we don't have the operation set up like we do later in the movie. But it's just one of those things where it's like... It was a very modest approach. That's not something, like, if you have a bargaining chip, in movies, like, that never fucking happens. Where you're just like, yeah, I just want to, like, get back to even. No, everyone's always trying to get the advantage or, you know, to get as much as possible. Not these guys. That's not what they're doing. This is a small community. They just need just enough to get by. Uh, and they're hoping that this man is going to be... Uh, you know, their ticket to at least recoup their losses from, you know, the reindeer herd uh, being slaughtered by what they were led to believe, you know, were Russian wolves. That, I think, is a place where this movie likes to tiptoe back and forth between the good and the evil. Because when they had the the naked old man's corpse, or what they thought was a corpse, my first thought, honestly, was like, well... We're out our reindeer. We're not going to have our meat. So I thought they were going to just carve the guy up and probably eat him. Okay. <laughs> that, that's what I, that's just what I thought. And it, it, there was a little piece of it that sort of made sense at the same time, to your point about like, Hey, um, this thing happened. We have now captured Santa Claus. We know you want him. We want to be compensated for what we've lost. And, and we don't want, a billion dollars we don't want a space station we don't want a laser cannon we just want enough to get us through to the next year so we can start over and do our thing again right and that's a it's an interesting thing when it comes to movies like this because all too often you have people that are shooting for the moon right and they're just like we're just gonna and these people don't do that and it's so odd like it doesn't make a lot of sense like why aren't you saying you're a giant corporation who's drilling into the ice looking for the burial tomb of Santa. Why don't you give me $1 billion? And it's like, nope. These people just have, they have a, they have a simple plan. They have a simple life and a simple course. And we just want to be made whole for the thing that you screwed us out of. And it's so, again, I'm going to use the word odd because it's like, when you see it, it's like, I think your first thought is it's like, that's all you're asking for? Mm -hmm. Like, really? Like, any. And you have allegedly captured Santa Claus and you just want your 85,000 for your reindeer and your couple of potato sacks and the radiators from everybody. That's like all you want. And it's and it it's kind of beautiful because as much as it doesn't make sense, I think it's if you're not an asshole, it's like the most human thing to do. It's like, I don't want to get rich off of this. I just want to be made whole. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of a it's kind of a weird place to be in where it's like, why isn't this movie taking this to a place that every movie, every reality show, even the nightly news takes it to? And it's like, nope, we're not going to do that. Absolutely. So when they arrive to, you know, the research station, this is when Riley informs them that they do not actually, in fact, have Santa Claus, but one of Santa's helpers. And this is when things uh, take another turn. Uh, so basically, this is an elf. And uh, they're not alone. They are all being watched. And of course, you know, Riley warns him, uh, you know, ahead of this, like, you know, you, you 
gotta gotta stay calm. You gotta be quiet. Uh, cause uh, you know these these elves have a uh, violent tendency, and they also have a knack for stuffing children into potato sacks. Uh, but they also are very fond of gingerbread cookies, and that is one of their weaknesses. So again, we have a movie <laughs> for the month uh, where there are Christmas elements as a core weakness of these uh, feral beasts, which I love to see. So it's like <laughs> we've gotten gotten it a couple of times uh, throughout the course of the month. But man, like... With that twist in the movie, it's like, oh man, like, so if that's not Santa Claus, then who is? And of course, that will lead into, uh, re really the third act of the movie and the biggest reveal out of all of them, uh, when we do get to see the Tomb of Ice. Uh, but yeah, it's it's just one of those things where it's like, you kind of have, like, that, uh, you know, kind of like the Night of the Living Dead moment when you see, like, all of the elves, like, coming out of, like, the woods, basically, uh, which is just absolutely great. I love when we get callbacks uh, like that. There was certainly a place where... So let's assume for a second they've captured Santa Claus, right? Santa Claus looks nothing like what we think of Santa Claus, right? He is not fat, round, or jovial at all. He is skinny, emaciated, and damn near dead. So it's there's a paradox right there, which I think watching this movie makes you it it takes everything that you've ever known and maybe this is just me as an american that just makes you go like what the what the hell like what are we okay so this is santa claus right um but of course we find out that santa claus is a little bit brutal santa claus is a little bit human flesh hungry um uh it, but then when they reveal that oh yeah of course it's not it's not santa claus it's one of his elves and it's like as soon as you hear the word elves in this movie, my first thought was like, oh shit, there's more. Mm -hmm. And to this movie's credit, it does not let you down. And when these things start pouring into the field, I mean, and this is where it gets, uh, I think, exponentially dark, but also exponentially creepier because somebody needs to explain to me why the elves are all naked. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't fully understand that. I would think that they're killing reindeer, they're stealing from houses, they're doing all these things. Mm -hmm. And with all, especially with all the potato sacks that they sold, somebody could have tied a potato sack around each of those old guys' waists <laughs> just so I did not have to see all of the <laughs> old man penis that I had to see later because that was just weird. Um, but the taking something like Santa and making it dark is. Honestly, I think one level taking Santa's elves and making them. I I picked up a couple of. Um, let's see. Um, the vibes that I got, I got a little bit of a Legion vibe out of the elves. Um, I got a little bit of Omega Man vibes out of the elves um, and definitely some like Night of the Living Dead, but in a World War Z context, <laughs> mm -hmm. elf vibe. Um, and it's so wild to see because these things just keep coming. They just pour out of the woods and they're just they're just everywhere. Um, and the, the, the real redemption here is that our still our nine or ten year old hero, Peter, uh, he's got a plan. And you gotta, you gotta fucking love this kid. He just, this kid is so stoic through this whole movie. And he just is always like, he almost has this vibe of like, I saw this coming, so I was planning. <laughs> and so here's what we're gonna do next. I mean, and when here's what we're gonna do next involves a net strung from the bottom of a helicopter <laughs> where, where they're, I mean, come on, you gotta give the kid some credit. You have to. Yeah, I mean, the the kid definitely had the biggest balls out of literally everyone in this movie. He just, he was just going with it. Like, he was definitely the leader, uh, you know, throughout all of this. But really, uh, as I was saying, like, the biggest reveal of this movie is when we come across the real Santa Claus, who is still in case in this massive tomb of ice, uh, which, of course, is, like, in, like, this hangar at the uh, facility. And, you know, inside, this is 
all surrounded by all of the town's kidnapped children who have been put into these potato sacks. And of course, Santa's helpers have stolen a number of different household items from the town in hopes of generating enough heat to thaw out the ice to unleash Santa Claus. Uh, so, you know, inside we see a uh, array of items. It's basically like a lot of stoves. We have a lot of radiators, hair dryers, uh, you know, throughout the hanger. Basically anything that would give enough heat to thaw out and quicken the process to uh, unleash Santa Claus on the world. And of course, you know, as you were mentioning, the final act does see Peter finally standing up and taking control of the situation uh, along with that great helicopter scene. And it's just one of those scenes where just the simple idea of this nine-year-old boy saving the day, basically being flung around the air uh, with all of these captured elves, <laughs> and just going to float around, and he's basically wanting to have, uh, you know, his dad's friend, like, land him. And he's, you know, you're in that situation where it's like, well, we can't really do that and, like, also take off. And then to see the kid just, like, free fall <laughs> from the helicopter on top of that. It's just one of those scenes which is like, Peter, what the fuck are you doing? But it's like, at the same time, like, you have to give this kid all the credit in the world. But, you know, th the first time I saw this movie and I saw all of the kids in the potato sacks and I saw all of you know, the stoves and seeing, like, the the ice tomb for, like, the first time. It's like, man, like, this is really a spectacle. But my biggest problem, or really my only problem with this movie is just the fact that when it comes to the real deal with Santa Claus, you know, we have this big bad in this movie. We don't really have that payoff. Like, we don't get the full unveiling because he's never fully thawed out so we never have like this moment where you have peter facing santa claus uh or you know just seeing santa claus get you know a little bit of redemption against you know the capturers in this case uh so to like have this like awesome moment just kind of like pulled out from under us is just one of those scenes where it's like i feel like at the end of the day if there's one thing that detracts from the movie it's that uh, and that's been something that, like, I've thought for, you know, ever since I saw it for the first time. I just wish we had, like, that bigger moment. But at the end of the day, like, seeing how Peter started versus, like, where he ended up at, like, there's just so much character growth through throughout the entirety of this movie. So it did kind of, like, make up for that. But I just really wish we had, like, that big final battle as opposed to just saying, like, all right, we're just going to blow up this joint and then capture all of the elves. Hmm. Okay. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to respectfully disagree. I love the fact that they showed us... I mean, and if you're honest, they showed us a set of horns sticking mm -hmm. out of a block of ice. They never really gave it all the way to you. Right. Um, and because for me, since they didn't give it all the way to you, and... They had a nine-year-old as, like, the main hero who was the problem solver out of this whole thing. Um, I, I sort of dug the fact that they didn't they didn't go into that because if you if you weigh the things, it's like, okay, so how is a nine-year-old going to fix this? Like, he's just fucking not going to, you know? The bigger, I guess, if you want to call it problem... <laughs> That I had, other than all the old man wiener, because that was still just way too old man, too much old man wiener in this movie, is that by the end of the movie, we have our our reindeer farmer. You know, he basically gets back because he he captures and trains exactly one hundred and ninety eight elves, um, and they capture them in the reindeer pen, um. The helicopter pilot brings all the missing children home in their potato sacks, you know, and how they haven't all frozen to death hanging at the bottom of a cable from a helicopter. I, I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. But hey, details. Um, I, my biggest real world problem is this is they basically took a bunch of elves and then sold them into human slavery. I mean, <laughs> that's 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 really my problem with this. And it's like only when you are fully trained and cannot play with the gift 
and not tear the head off the human effigy doll, mm-hmm. are you are you worthy to be a mall Santa? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and that's maybe as much as this this movie does tiptoe around humor. I mean, it definitely uses it to its its advantage, but it never tries to be funny mm-hmm. um, until you get to the end. And <laughs> the very end, this movie is just slathering things with humor. And it's so funny to watch, you know, taking all these all these elves in and they're scrubbing them down in the showers and they're doing all these things. And it's like then they have the, the guy he's being pulled by everybody like on a pallet jack. And the, the one guy is there. And it, the weird part was to me, like it wasn't even the kid's dad. It wasn't even Peter's dad. It was like the friend who was just like. And this is how we're nice. So the the end of this movie, honestly, is so fucking creepy. It is just so creepy. It is borderline ridiculous. But then in the end, we have, you know, um, these big boxes with padlocks on them, you know, and it says rare exports and it says live cargo and there's holes drilled in the side. So, I mean, you take this whole movie and how much fun it is when you get through the whole thing. And then at the end... We've turned our nice Finnish reindeer farmer into a human trafficker. And it's like, um, and maybe that's a stretch because they're Santa's elves. So maybe they're not human. Uh, uh, potato, potato, I guess. But even this guy, he, he got his potato and his potato fucked, but they stole all of his potato sacks. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't, like, I, I get the end of the movie, kind of. But it's so dark and so creepy. <laughs> Like, even after watching it today, I just kind of sat back and went, ugh. Like, it just, like, it was kind of yucky, just the, the vibe to get off the end of the movie. But, um, and I know there's a follow up to it. I haven't seen the follow up. Um, and I really want to now because I, there's a piece of me that hopes it gets even creepier than this movie did. Um, but, but still, going back to, you know, having this kid and, and I love the way that he, spends the movie worried about his transgressions, the things that he's done, worried about how he can make things right. Then he's, this little kid is worried about saving the town. And then, you know, he's worried about the rehabilitation slash sold into slavery of the, of the elves. Um, And I don't know. It just, it, I hate to say it. I got to the end of this and it was like, maybe there's hope for humanity after all. (laughs) My, yeah. I, I remember too. Like it's like when when we had that moment when it's like they were opening the hangar and you just see like this massive like cargo plane. My first thought was like, where the fuck did they find this thing? Where did that plane come from? Was it from the Americans? I have no no idea. Uh, but I, I I guess like your point on the end and like this what I want to say it was based on a short film. It was, yes. So, like, the, the yep. ending of the movie was kind of like the very tail end uh, of, of this. I haven't actually seen the short film, so I can't, like, confirm that, but that's just what I've heard um, about it. But, yeah, it's like, you know, we had plenty of old man penis, so then I had to balance it out by showing their butts during, you know, the whole, like, prison cleaning, uh, essentially, <laughs> you know, prepping prepping all these Americanized Santa Clauses to, you know, ship out worldwide. Um, and, of course, it's like... All right, it's December first. Like we 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 got a deadline. We got to get all these guys ready. So, uh, kind of like every step of the way, we've we've had like our training montage, and this is like the first one. It isn't just like outright okay. We're gonna sharpen weapons to you know fight the big bad or anything like that. This was more all right. We're getting ready for the holidays. Got to make sure everyone's ready. Got to make sure the the elves are interacting properly with the kids. You know they're not trying to steal the toys or anything else you know they're not trying to eat the children like they they would have otherwise uh or you know even like eat the gingerbread cookies or anything like that but yeah the the ending of this is just it feels so weird because it 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 feels like it's a part of a completely different movie uh by the end of it but hey the way i see it at the end of the day, this is a one-time ordeal. They're going to sell off the 198. They're going to be set for life. And then they could just go on living their lives up in the mountains, doing whatever the hell they want as, you know, just a small community. You know, they're good to go because each Santa Claus for them 
is worth $85,000. At the same time, if you think about the elves and because once you get to the end of the movie and you see that there are these this giant number of elves, it makes all of the the reindeer kills and the thefts from the town and it makes all of it make sense, right? There was a horde of these guys doing it. The thing that I honestly dig it even though by the end of the movie they were all being individually put in a padlocked box with air holes <laughs> in the sides onto a cargo plane, if you think about it and you're honest, they all went from being an elf to being Santa. So they all mm. theoretically got a fucking promotion out of this. <laughs> so <laughs> I think in the end it was totally worth it. Yep, and they didn't get, you know, encased in an ice do. Yeah, and I'm thinking more and more about it, and I and I'm starting to sort of lean your direction, as as far as you know, we'll call it the the, the movie payoff goes. Um, but can you imagine this movie like ending any other way? No, <laughs> I, well, I, I can't either. And so for the big like to have the big monster come out, it's like. Mm-hmm. I think that would have been almost like, you know, going fishing and setting the hook. And it's like, we, we got this big, this big predictable payoff. And the best part about this movie is that they didn't do that. They, they, they went a completely different direction. They, they cut off the horns. They dynamited that whole fucking, uh, like basically aircraft hangar and just blew it to the fucking weeds. And it was just like, okay, so on to the next thing. And it was like, sometimes in a movie, it's nice when somebody just walks in and just deals with something, you know, and if, if it's a stick of dynamite in the ass and you get blown to shit, hey, cool, all right, you know, and they didn't follow the, they didn't follow the course that I had expected them to take because it's like, okay, here's this thing and it's melting and I see the horns, this thing's going to come out and it's going to be like a really pissed off Krampus-esque monster and what, nope, <laughs> nope, we're just going to dynamite the whole fucking works and call it good. And as a movie watcher, and as a, we'll call it a, a realist when I watch these movies, it's the thing that I want everybody to do that nobody ever does. <laughs> nobody ever just blows the shit up and just is like, well, we're good. Mm-hmm. Problem solved. So I was okay with it. Yeah. So it's, that's the end of that chapter. And then just, you know, clasping your hands together. Um, but re- yeah. realistically, really the only, like, let's say they were to unleash the Santa Claus. In that moment, Really, the only thing they could have done is, you know, they'll they'll go like the Ninja Turtle Secret of the Use route, right? Where it's like nobody could have like survived that, and you just see the giant explosion, and you see just the the cracking of the ice, and you know maybe you do have that moment when the Santa does emerge, but then he's just buried beneath all of the rubble and the explosion. But I'm so glad, like with the explosions in this movie, when we do have you know the giant fireball, you know we didn't have like the very very stereotypical Hollywood slow motion, <laughs> you know, knockback or anything like that. We don't need that. We just need the giant fireball. We're good to go, and then we're moving into, you know, our Santa training at the end of this. Uh, but yeah, just one of those scenes. But either way, like, I don't think it really takes away from, like, the spectacle of, like, the first time we get to see the ice tomb. So, like, that imagery still holds up on its own without, like, having, like, the big Santa Claus reveal anyways. Well, if they would have, if they would have awakened Santa Claus for real... And Santa would have, you know, feasted on all the potato sex children and boiled them in his cauldron. I mean, the movie itself, just step by step, kept things dark enough that you were like, Ugh. Mm-hmm. but at the same time, light enough where you're like, I want to see what happens. If they would have ended the movie with a bunch of boiled children in, in potato sacks. I don't think I would have walked away thinking it was a good movie. I think I would have been like, you know, at, like that was completely unnecessary. I mean, I'm sure somebody's done it. Somebody probably has made a movie where Santa boiled 198 children alive or whatever, you know, but I, it, I don't think it would have made for, it wouldn't have made for the, the fulfilling ending that this movie had. And, you know, and I don't, as much as I think that the guys in the, in the little town sort of were getting like 
we used the word reparations earlier. They were sort of getting their their payback, and they were being made whole. Um, it it wasn't other than this light little tiny thing of the human trafficking. Hmm. Other than that, I mean, it was. It took it to a place where it made a little bit of sense, and honestly, it was kind of funny, right? Um, like, I'm going to take elves, and I'm going to train them to be mall Santas. I mean, that's kind of funny. There's there's not another different way to look at that. Um, but yeah, if, if he had just woken up and been mad and just been, you know, dipping children into his boiling cauldrons on both sides, I don't... I think it would have had a total different end, and I think I would have not walked away from it going... Man, this was, I mean, and we, you and I have talked before. We talked about movies being fun. Fun is good. Entertaining is good. Um, this one, if you don't feel the Christmas spirit in this movie, I don't know what you're doing. You're just, you're just not doing something right. Um, but you walk away from this thing with like kind of a really good vibe and almost like when I think of a, of a Christmas elf or one of Santa's elves and I think of, you know, I think of people that are fun and jovial and, you know, handing out presents and doing these things. And it gives you a completely different vibe of that. The Santa's elves are, I mean, they're stealing and they're killing reindeer. (laughs) I mean, so the end of it, even though they're going off to be mall Santas, it's almost a little bit of a redemption in a way, you know, it's like you can find your new life and you can find a way to be happy and you can find even more over like a way to spread joy to others. And, I think that's kind of what it boils down to. And maybe am I over or under thinking that there's a lot of possibilities in there. Um, But yeah, I had, I had a lot of fun with this. And like I said, having watched it again today and kind of being able to like focus on it. um, This movie is it's, it's enjoyable because of what it does with the lore and how it takes a lot of that lore and turns it on its ear a little bit. And it's like, yeah, you think you know what's going to happen, but you you really don't. And oh, by the way, Merry Christmas! Here's two hundred dead reindeer. Like, oh, <laughs> what the? F- I mean, I was I was honestly surprised that one of them didn't have a glowing red nose out in that field of dead reindeer. <laughs> like, like they fuck. They even got Rudolph. Shit. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, but so it keeps it it keeps it dark and dreary and and, but at the same time, it constantly gives you a little bit of a feeling of hope. I mean, and that's kind of if there's for a Christmas horror movie, I don't think I've ever walked away feeling hope. So, I sorry guys, but well done, well done. Yeah, just I, I Peter is just such an interesting character too, because it's like you know, really early on, we're constantly just seeing him walking his like stuffed animal, who's like on a leash, no less. And then it's like you know, he's waking up in the morning, uh, running outside in the cold without any pants on. You know, constantly having a shotgun, you know, strapped around his, you know, shoulder. Ah, uh, but man, like that that kid really took command, and you know, you you gotta tip your hat to him at the end of the day, because really he was the brains behind, you know, the operation, both when it comes to uh, you know, capturing all the elves, but also just rare exports, uh, incorporated as a whole at the end of the movie. But yeah, just really a really unique movie, something that really sit like any other Christmas uh, horror movie out there. Uh, so definitely want to go seek out if you guys haven't seen it. Uh, it is streaming currently on Peacock, or of course, you know, you can go out, rent it, or go out and buy it, whatever you want to do. It's on, on Tubi, Tubi too? too. Awesome. Tubi. Fantastic. Yep. Of course. Of course Tubi would have it. Why wouldn't they? They have almost everything. Well, Tubi is a, Tubi is a wonderful... It's that wonderful sack of diamonds where you pour it out and after you go through all the agates and, um, you know, sand and whatever else, every mm-hmm. once in a while you find a diamond. And this is this movie is definitely a diamond. Now, as far as the stuffed animal, see, I had a thought on the stuffed animal. And when you have a family that the mom is obviously gone, it's a single dad, and they are clearly living damn near day to day. I think the stuffed mm-hmm. animal was just his version of having a pet dog. Yeah. And that's that's what he had. And he carried it with him. It went but it there was also like a level of protection that mm-hmm. that stuffed animal gave him. Um and that it felt very for me it felt very real as in terms of like this is just the dog that I bring with me that protects me from everything. And I 
it, honestly, it was one more thing about the movie that I loved. It just, it just, I, it was, it was perfect. It was just perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure all of us have uh, one sort of like protection keepsake with us, or 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 stuffed animals. If you know you're Jess, you know to each their own. Well, if you're well, if you're Jess, you have a fox tail. So <laughs> that's um, um well, and and shout out to our friend Jess for all of the. Uh, uh, Jess and I were having a conversation last night, and she gave me some very good advice and tips on some things for life. But I still do want to see a picture of that foxtail, because I am really intrigued by that. Um, she described it in detail, but you know how sometimes a you know, picture's worth a thousand words? Mm-hmm. You, you owe me like 800 words, Jess. Okay? <laughs> just just going to tell you. <laughs> um, uh, no, anyway, I, uh, yeah. Um, so again, I'll say this. Dartboard pick for me. Um, it... it Kind of told me something. Told me that um, a lot of times when a movie, when you're looking for something to watch and, and you Google things and sometimes things float to the top, sometimes there's a reason they float to the top. And this is one of those rare movies that it's not because some critic said something or it, it, you know, it was, it got some aggregate review on something. This movie is really good. It's really good. It's really fun to watch. The characters are great. You have to pay attention. You have to pay attention that there's sometimes you're going to be like, what the fuck is going on? Because when the one guy is sharpening the knife over the corpse of the old guy, I'm like, so what are we doing here? <laughs> like, what's the plan? We're um, baking gingerbread cookies. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Or making human bacon. Yes, one yeah. of the two. Um, but yeah, and to your point about Peter, the character, I mean, he... It's been a long time since I've seen a movie where you have a kid of that age who so powerfully leads a movie and so powerfully leads the story and honestly so powerfully leads the adults, you know, and this is just what's going to happen. But he also is a kid. He has his stuffed animal and he has his other things about him. He still has that one kid who's a little bit of a bully to him. So, I mean, it's it's a very humanist approach to the whole thing with the character but also making him nine years old. So it's just kind of crazy that they made it that good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just as a uh, reminder, since, you know, this is kind of like a wrap-up of Yuletide Fear, um, I do know It's a Wonderful Knife is hitting Shutter on Friday this week. Uh, mm-hmm. So if you guys miss it in theaters, be sure to go check it out on Shudder. Uh, at some point this weekend, because I had a really good time with that one, and Justin Lon is in it, so, of course, with that, you should already know that he plays an asshole in this movie, <laughs> just like he does literally every horror movie that he's ever in. Uh, but really good time with that one, and I uh, can't wait for more people uh, to see it, just because, you know, we haven't had, like, a ton of, like, new Christmas horror movies out there. Uh, and that was probably the, the most notable one, uh, at least for this year. Uh, But with that being said, of course, uh, you know, December is just a couple of days away. Uh, We will be wrapping up the year with some of our best of 2023. Um, I know we haven't like fully fleshed out like what our plans are, uh, but I did already mention uh, my first pick. uh, The one we'll be doing uh, for our next episode will be on Dormouse, which came out in January of 2023. Uh, This is one of the first movies I watched this year, and I was just completely caught off guard. I knew nothing about it. I saw, I, I basically, I read the synopsis, and I'm like, this sounds intriguing. I'm going to watch it. And then by the end of it, I was like, holy shit. That completely caught me off guard. Uh, so I'll just quickly read the synopsis. A comic book creator working at a burlesque club enlists the help of a colleague to figure out what's behind the disappearance of young women in their circle in this oddball neo-noir. And uh, there are some notable names in this movie, but this will be what we'll be watching on Twisted Tuesday uh, this upcoming week. Uh, But just as a reminder on that front, again, Grind and I will be going to see The Abyss on Wednesday. Uh, So our plan is to basically record on Sunday uh, for that week. So... Our next episode will be dropping on, let's see, what day would that be? The third? Monday. Monday. No, it'll be the following. It'll be... Okay, so today's the 29th, so we're not recording on the 6th, so we'll be recording on the 10th. Calendar, so the 11th. Come out the 11th, then? Does that sound right? No, it's it's the 10th. It's a Sunday, looks like. 
uh, push it out that night. God damn, you are ambitious. Son of a bitch. Well, like if we're seeing the movie, like we're seeing the abyss on the 6th. I'm just saying I wish I had your work ethic because I just fucking go to bed. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> um, but either way, yeah, we'll be watching I, Dormouse on Tuesday. Yes. And then I think, I, to be honest, I think um, the more I've thought about it, I think we I think we have to watch Birth Rebirth. Okay. I, I, I'm really curious. I mean, I, I you and I have talked a little bit about it, and it sounded like you hadn't quite made up your mind about it, which is fine. Yep. Um. I would not mind seeing what our um, Twisted Tuesday crew thinks of that one. Um, that was a really early watch for me um, for 2023, but it's still one of the standouts. Um, we talked about No One Will Save You. I think we both have that high, but there's no reason to, mm-hmm. you know, uh, to beat that horse again. Um, and then, you know, I wouldn't be... I wouldn't be terribly disappointed if we did um, VHS 85 as a as a year ender because that one still I watched it I've watched it probably two or three more times since I watched it the last time mm-hmm. and there's still three stories in it as an anthology and again this is me not being an anthology fan there's still three stories that are absolutely spectacular in that one um, so but I mean we'll maybe just play it by ear because i mean you know as far as scores go i mean there's a lot of things in there that have potential let's just call it um but and there's a couple in there i mean a spoonful of sugar really um kind of was a standout Um, yeah i will say a couple that i had on my short list um candyland I don't, I don't have seen that one. Um, talk to me. At least in regards to like mainstream releases, um, I was quite fond of. And uh, the price we pay was another one that was oh, towards yes. the top of my list. Have you seen Nefarious? No. Okay. Um, I would suggest watching Nefarious. Um, that one was pretty good. Um. Talk to me is a funny one because I watched that and I thought it. I walked out of the theater thinking it wasn't very good. And then I thought about it and I'm like, this is better than I thought it was. And then I watched it again and then it was back down to where I thought it was the first <laughs> time. Um, and I don't know why exactly. Um, but it. it the re the, the actual rewatch like killed it. And I don't. It's rare that that happens. I mean, moving moving a half a point or maybe a point is a kind of a fair thing. That one, like, totally shit the bed for me. Gotcha. Um, other couple of ones on my list that are actually pretty high um, were the Devil Roams. Um, was higher than I thought it was going to be. Um, another one of the Adams Family Productions. That one was... It, it's... Just watch it. I, I don't even want to. Just just watch it. Um, and then I've got a couple of, uh, towards the top of my list, Exorcist movies, both The Pope's Exorcist and Exorcist Believer. Um, I've watched Believer now, I think, four or five times. Every time I watch it, I get a little bit more from it. And it it's it's not top five, um, but it's, uh, it's solid. It's super solid. Um, so... Lots to talk about. I would honestly, yeah, so birth, rebirth, let's definitely do that, and then we'll figure the rest out. All right, yeah, sounds good. Um, yeah, we'll we'll narrow it down. we got a couple of weeks to, to sort yeah. it out. Uh, but yeah, definitely Dormouse is next week. Uh, I'm looking forward to showing people that definitely has some, uh, some brooding atmospheres. Uh, so, like, if you're, like, if you like that, like, I'm not going to say it's the Sin City aesthetics, but if you like that sort of environment that does kind of trigger similar vibes. Uh, but a lot of cool, like, comic book imagery in it, too. So I hope everyone appreciates it as much as I did. And, you know, we'll be watching it on Tuesday. Uh, but with that being said, that will do it for us here tonight on Handle with Scare again. If you guys didn't go see It's a Wonderful Knife, it will be streaming this Friday over on Shutter. 
looking forward to The Abyss next Wednesday, seeing that in theaters mm-hmm. for the first time. That's going to be absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, because that was like one of the first VHS movies that I owned. <laughs> I still have it, actually. Uh, so I'm, I'm, oh, I'm, no shit. You still have it. It's probably it's oh. probably buried somewhere in the closet. Uh, but yeah. Uh, but really looking forward to that because that was like really the movie that uh, really got me into sci-fi and like it was one of my dad's favorite movies too so like that's always kind of like been like our one movie that like we constantly agree on Uh, and I was also you know the one like Blu-ray release that has been at the top of my most wanted list since Blu-rays came out honestly so to see it finally getting like a 4k restoration has to be all sorts of giddy on the inside. Uh, so it should, should be a good time. I can't wait to talk about it a little bit, uh, you know, on our oh. next recording as well. Oh, hell yes. No. Uh, yeah. The abyss is, and I'm, I'm using this term against my better judgment, but it is one of the best genre fluid movies mm-hmm. in the history of time. It really is because it is sci-fi. It is action. It is drama. There's everything. It's, it's apocalyptic in a lot of ways um it it if you i mean i think the thing the only thing that it has going against it is its length because i think it, it's so long and, and people these days have the attention span of a fucking goldfish so it, that makes a lot of sense but back in the quote-unquote day that was a movie that you could just put on and it almost didn't matter what kind of mood you were in it would give you something um and it it took so many pages from the sci-fi movies of the time. It it talked. I mean, we were. It was a number of years after, but we 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 had the discussions of nuclear war and what that would mean. We had. It's got a lot of nice little like Leviathan slash Deep Star Six moments where you know we're underwater and things are scary and we're we're disconnected from the world. Uh, but even like with Bud in there and like his, his willingness to like be self sacrificial. I mean, there's just so many, just so many damn good things in that movie that it's, uh, I think it literally is the movie for everybody. Um, and it, it's kind of a rare thing these days where there's a movie that was that good, but you can, there's something for everybody in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, my goal is to go see it next Wednesday. So I got my fingers crossed. We'll see. Cause it's, late where i am and i'm old so that just happens um and then this saturday like i told you before i if things go well i'm gonna go see the midnight mayhem over at the main and see silent night deadly night 2 on the big screen and i have never seen that on the big screen so that i'm i'm pretty excited for that one too so should be a fun horror weekend hell yeah can't wait uh, so yeah, guys, join us next Tuesday for Dormouse, which will be our start of the best of 2023. Uh, but until then, hope you guys enjoy your weekends, and uh, we'll see you guys on Tuesday. Y'all have a good night. Show me that foxtail.